Save the King. Hello and welcome back to Pod Save the King. Somehow it is the end of 2023 already. I'm your host, Anne Gripper. Shout out to host for the first part of the year, Zoe Forsey, um, who looked after the podcast so well. Well, I was off on maternity leave, but I think it almost feels like I've never been away now. Russell, Russell Myers, Daily Mirror Royal Editor is here with me. Russell, nice to see you been a year since we've done one of these I, well Looking it's been two years since dis- i've done one I, of course yeah and Looking forward to dissecting it and because it's the end of the year i always like to invite in russell's big boss daily mirror editor alison phillips to find out whether russell's been on the naughty or nice list this year he's been on the <laughs> excellent list because it's been a very very busy year for him so it's been great we, and, we missed you very much though Anne, when oh, you're away thanks alison it's kind of you to say so this is coming out uh, between Christmas and New Year. Happy Twixmas to you all. Hopefully you are well fed, having lovely times with your families and um, haven't driven each all other crackers. And we hope that the same has gone on at Sandringham where they will be having their big Christmas gathering. But we wanted to look back on 2023, what kind of a year it has been and look ahead a little bit to 2024 as well. So when I was thinking back on the year, I kind of thought it ended up in four slightly uneven parts. I think the first part of the year was spare harry all of the fallout which just seemed to go on for weeks and weeks and you just thought it had calmed down and then there'd be another interview or a podcast or or something then we had the grandeur and that big historic moment of the coronation which was obviously quite extraordinary and memorable and busy for russell in particular then there was a little bit of summer hiatus and then like the school year feels like we've been getting down to business as usual Alison, how would you score the Royals year? How do you think they will feel about their year? I think it's, bearing in mind we've had a coronation, which should make it about a 20 out of 10. I wonder actually whether they'll look back on the year and it'll come in as about a five or a six. Because I think, as you said, we had that amazing coronation, which was just a truly incredible moment in, in British history that will last for generations to come. But unfortunately, that event was sandwiched by spare at the beginning of the year and then of course since in like the last last couple of months we've had this whole um issue around the the uh, racism claims um and and the omid scobie book coming out and it just feels that those those two those two events have overshadowed so much of the other great stuff that happened what's your sense of it russell in terms of the people you speak to at the palace and the royal circles how they're feeling about it all well, sometimes I'm not sure whether they necessarily have their finger on the pulse, <laughs> you know, like we we hope that we do. Because when you look at the year, I suppose starting off from spare, you couldn't have imagined it would get any worse. And like you said, there was you know, another interview, another uh, TV appearance, um, and it seemed as though Harry was really trying to drive a wrecking ball for, for the royal family. And, and of course, that was in the lead up. All those preparations were. We're coming to a head for the for the king's coronation so i suppose it's it's a it's a mixed bag i mean i'm not gonna sit on the fence i don't i think there's been some stuff that's been done really well i think the king will look back uh, and reflect on his his coronation year i suppose that he has been slow and steady there hadn't been uh, the big rush to get out to the commonwealth to go and see the australians the canadians that was certainly on the agenda when he took over the top job it was to try and hit the ground running get out and see as many people as possible but the, the way that the government has worked um i mean stopping him going you know, list trust stocking, stopping him going to cop 27 or 26 was then what are we now 28 anyway when he stopped stop going to cop then pretty much said no your first trips are going to be to france and germany our nearest neighbors to try and sort of quell the bonfire that is brexit and i suppose then he turned his attentions to to focusing on the four corners of the United Kingdom, and and you look at um, not only getting out and doing, doing lots of community engagements, but trying to sort of set his stall out as being a peacemaker. Uh, lots of religious engagements, uni- unifying various religious factions, which he's still doing. You know, talking uh, with Ukrainian communities as well that he's been doing quite a lot of. But I suppose the next year will be the the biggest one or what sort of last year should have been because we're, we're definitely going to go to Canada, Australia, um, 
one would hope there'll be less conversation from their point of view, not necessarily ours, but from their point of view about Harry and and his various gripes about the the royal family and the way that he was treated leading up to his exit. So perhaps um, a bit more calm in the camp, but I think I've probably said that several times over this year, let alone the last few years. So um, let's 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 wait and see what happens. I mean, it's been the first full year of the Carolian era. I mean, do you, Russell, do you think we've got a sense of what this rain is going to be like? I mean, I remember earlier in the year, I think you said it might be the unexciting filling in a in a, in a Elizabeth and William sandwich, essentially. Yeah, I suppose that's a bit, it's a, it's a bit, um, it's a bit unfair because that sort of transitional king element, I mean, he can't get away from it. I mean, the man's 75 years old. He He's going to not have as a big run at the read the job i mean the, the thing with the late queen was nobody knew what she who she was who what she stood for we absolutely know exactly what charles stands for and i t- to be fair to him i think we've seen more of his character than we thought we would do i mean certainly his uh his speech at cop in dubai a couple of weeks ago um the fact that he's still talking about climate change very much sees it as um his his role as the, an elder statesman wanting to try and affect that generational change for for his for his children and his grandchildren and, and so forth um do you have we, i think it's been fairly solid from him i mean what more can he do apart apart from coming out and denouncing his his son for all his uh misdemeanors and the sort of the mudslinging with the family i think he's got to keep his counsel and not get involved in that and and what can he do he's, he's got on with the job and i think you've seen just from the hardest working royal list of obviously princess Anne was always going to be top of that but he was very very close behind and he's not he's not normally in that sphere and i think that he that he he wanted to attack the job by saying right what can i do and that is literally getting on with things getting out to to the um to different communities which i have often argued far away from william and kate wanting to do the job differently him taking on earth shot climate change um her taking on the early development calls it's it is about getting toward getting out to see communities because that's what you know local people want to see and i and i still stand by that i think there's a lot to be said from the royal family actually getting out and doing more engagements engaging with um more communities not less than uh, than than the wales are, are seeking to do over the next um few years how alison how do you think you would define the carolian age based on what we've what we've seen so far what do you think it is and i don't know how do we how do we feel about ourselves as british people i guess with charles as our as our king i think if this doesn't sound hugely glamorous and it possibly comes to that point about um uh him being there in a, in, in in that sandwich between the sort of more exciting uh, the former queen and um king william as he'll become but i think there's a there's this general sense with the, the current king that he's a very thoughtful man. He puts a lot of thinking into everything he does to the point where things may appear quite ponderous. And um, but and I but I think that's what he will come to represent. Sort of a period where a great huge amount of thought has gone into what's the right thing to do. Now that doesn't necessarily mean that he always gets it right, but I think and I think that's why COP twenty eight was a huge success for him because. You know that that was sort of the culmination of all that work that he's been doing since the 1960s and his belief that this is like a hugely important issue that hasn't had the attention that it deserves um, politically and elsewhere in society and he has led the way on that and this was his big moment to, to take all those years of thought and study and deliver them to a global audience where he could actually be a thought leader in that area because that's what he's always wanted to do and that's why it was must have been utterly utterly devastating for him that that whole week was overtaken by the the latest uh, row sort of falling out um, from his son. Um, Because I think that's almost what the king would like to be. He'd like to be regarded as kind of like the the intelligent king, the thoughtful king, the person who's sort of maybe less interested in the trappings and the glamour and and, and actually trying to to do good and show good. Um, But still, because of... I mean, you could argue because of some of the frailties in the way he's interacted with people, i.e. his own family and his his first wife, um, he keeps getting dragged back into these human dramas. 
Queen Elizabeth, she was a figurehead and she was, I guess, a sense of stability and maybe pride. But I don't think you would ever necessarily call her a sort of a change maker or a change inspirer. I think she probably did a lot of that stuff quietly and throughout her time there was a a lot of first. But it never, I don't think, felt like she was actively trying to drive that change. Prince Philip, maybe, yes, with yes. televising the coronation and all those kind of small changes. I, d- I don't think the Queen did do that at all. And in fact, I think she would have been, she was the ultra conservative, wasn't she? In that, you know, everything had to remain the same. Whereas I think he, the King, has attempted to be a pioneer in all sorts of areas. And I think it's quite unfortunate if that's who you want to be and you are getting dragged back because of all the other kind of noise and confusion that's going on. We see William and Kate also wanting to take on these big projects with Earthshot and Homewards, the homelessness project, and shaping us with Kate and trying to drive, I guess, societal and systemic change and big projects. And I guess Charles has sort of shown the way in that. Like, Do we, yeah. do we think the royals can deliver at, at that level or are they should they be being... Like show ponies I mean, and opening I, things. And... I don't know what you think, uh, Russell, in that I think, so the way that um, William and Kate are operating it, it feels very much to me that that's, that's the product of a, a proper PR strategy as opposed to let's do lots of stuff. And so any sort of PR strategist will probably tell you, right, you need to do fewer things and you need to do them better because that's how you you really ingrain that into people's minds build your brand exactly the problem that they've got of course is because they can't be political and they can't be too outspoken that they're they're taking and and also things like homelessness and early years development um are actually whether you like it or not there are political aspects because you're not really gonna do much about homelessness and you're not going to do much about early years development unless you have a government that want to chuck a load of money into it is the reality but of course they can't go to that space so they have to sort of with their messaging sort of dance slightly around the edges of it. Um, and the concern potentially is the general public can't quite get a handle on what exactly it is they're talking about. It just feels a little bit kind of woolly. Whereas if you actually just do do lots of stuff and turn up and open loads of fates and shows and whatnot, people can at least get their heads around what it is you're doing. I guess it's, I mean, it's a big change for all of us, isn't it, Russell? We're trying to get our heads around the new way of, of doing things. Yeah, I mean, I've I've long argued the fact that I, I do think you can do both things. I mean, Charles has shown through arguing over climate change. I mean, that is a political issue, yeah. whether you like it or not. It's a it's a hugely political issue. You're just seeing the the comments from the uh, from the head of COP in Dubai um, making headlines around the world and prompting world leaders to disagree with him when he was saying that there was no basis for for, for not for, for drawing back from using fossil fuels. You look at Charles's work with the Prince's Trust, I mean, working with devalued, depressed, uh, a generation of young people who needed help because they weren't assisted or they were let down by um, by various by various governments, I suppose. And he has helped them, a million young people, get into work, get into training. I mean, that, it couldn't be more political. So I, th- I, th- I, I still don't see the reasoning for William and Kate wanting to do less because... I think the royal family is under pressure as it is. There's less of them. So surely they need to shoulder more of the responsibility. If you're not getting out to the four corners of the UK, the Commonwealth, and doing the basics, um, and just saying, well, we're just gonna do we're just gonna do the big fancy glitzy glamit, um, glamorous uh earthshot uh engagements around the world, and of course we're bring, we're bringing pioneers of their fields together. It's all very sexy. But I think you know what, what are they? Why are they not opening the local WI or um, going to the fate in a, a school in Stoke? It, it just it just seems to me that they're losing sight of what the royal family is in this country. And yes, you can you can have evolution rather than revolution. But um, there's I still think the, the central point is there's there's less of them, so they should be doing more. There's obviously a couple of particularly tricky issues for the royal family that don't won't go away in one format or the other. Um, let's start with Prince Andrew. I mean, to a certain extent, on both of them, the strategy has been to keep calm, carry on, keep your heads down, hope it all goes away, and then periodically they pop back up in different ways. Whether that's you know Andrew joining for church and being driven by Prince William or whatever it happens to be. What's your, what's your take on the, well, the Andrew situation, firstly, Alison? 
Well, Russell will remember this better than me, but it feels that at the start of the year, there were definitely avenues being opened up for Andrew sort of to return, um, to be to be seen more around. And I still don't think the British public are ready for that. It, I just, I don't think they've, I don't think there's a great clamoring amongst the people to see more of Prince Andrew. I, and so I'm not quite sure who benefits from him being out there other than prince andrew other than prince andrew so so there's no real need there is absolutely now no need for the brother of the current king to be in any kind of formal or public engagements um i still think both him and um sarah ferguson fergie who it appears are now sort of properly back living together but no one's quite 100% certain I just think the British public are entirely over them they're just not interested in and there is no no need to rehabilitate them what do you make of Fergie though because I think she's been separately trying to sort of reinvent herself (laughs) quite successfully in some ways from my point of view so when she was on morning tv on the tv so I think she probably loved it I don't and I think it had a novelty value, but I just don't think either that she is an at all suitable person for for, for daytime television. And in that, just the way she um, interacted with people just felt very odds with that kind of entertainment. Stick to the Mills and Boone. Um, Russell, in terms of the palace and what they feel about the Prince Andrew situation or the kind of this, what does 2024 look like for Prince Andrew? Well, I think it's it's changed this year because talking about the at the start of the year, there was definitely a concerted effort, mainly by Andrew himself, to sort of position himself um, aside the king. The fact that you know, did he see a role back within the family? I think he did. I think he thinks that he's in his early sixties. He's certainly got more to offer. He doesn't necessarily have the ways and means to retire. There was the ongoing row over his house that develops over the year. Um, which hasn't gone away. Um, certainly he wanted a role at the coronation. He thought that once again, that was his right to be beside his brother, um, which he did get his way. I mean, the you know the palace were arguing till they were blue in the face to say that he wouldn't be you know, wearing the, the grand robes and he wouldn't have a, a position at the, um, at the coronation. He might not have had a role, but he was definitely seen front and centre, uh, which rubbed a lot of people out the wrong way. Now I think it has changed because the argument over Royal Lodge, the fact that Fergie is still living with him, she's been doing you know, huge PR rounds due to her, her book deals, getting on daytime television. And I think people like her as a bit of um, figure of fun, but I think they will view her association still with Andrew and still being, you know, going on television, defending his honour and saying what a great um, partner and father and grandfather is i think that's pretty unpalatable it'll be interesting to see what happens with royal lodge i mean we've written several times this year and keeping abreast of it about how the king has pretty much washed his hands of it says you know i don't i don't really want to get involved in this it's to do with you and the crown estate and you've got to come up with the money but how on earth is he gonna is he gonna come up with those funds to 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 keep a roof over his head what i mean I say that figuratively because he's he's not going to be kicked out or made homeless because the king won't have that happen. But it's it's obviously a bad association for Charles to have this ongoing saga or sagas um, rumbling in the background. Turning to Harry, where I think it's been probably even the biggest roller coaster of a year. Um, you know, obviously a massive moment that he did come for the coronation, albeit on his own, which kind of felt like it kept doors slightly open where are we now versus where we were 12 months ago in terms of transatlantic relations because i mean to a certain extent that end game book stuff that's putting it all out in the public that isn't that hasn't changed people's the people who knew about it at the time it hasn't changed their understanding of what happened really it's just been the dirty laundry's been shared more more widely and i guess it's it's come back up and you know revisited it for everybody but it those there haven't been presumably new conversations that have poured salt in into that into that wound so where do you think transatlantic relations are 
Well, the conversations may be held privately between individuals, you know, the senior royals, because of how horrendous it was for certainly the King and Kate over those that period of time to be named in this book. It's sort of raked over the old coals again. I think they probably were a little better. I mean, the people I speak to regularly will say the, the king wants to wants to get on with the business in hand. He, as I said, he's seventy five years old. He um, wants to try and pack as much into the next few years as possible. I mean, I think his legacy will certainly be shaped in the next two to five years. So the, it's it's interesting that he will try and or want to try and have relations on an even keel not necessarily inviting them over for for to, to for for christmas just yet um i think that'll be a long way off and i don't think we'll see megan here for a long time however the issues to do with endgame were sparked because harry and megan decided to tell oprah winfrey that then was beamed to millions of people which then set on the set off a guessing game allegations of racism I mean, these are the reasons why Prince William and others in the royal family want nothing to do with Harry again. Um, where where are they at the moment? I suppose the, the sort of green shoots of a new relationship was started. Harry calling his father on his birthday, sending these video calls of the grandchildren. No doubt Charles will, would want a relationship with the grandchildren. Whether other members of the family would be as forgiving, I very much doubt it. And I think that will be the sticking point for um for harry to have any role within the family in the future i, I don't know it, it all still just makes me quite sad on lots of bits because what you talk about the business at hand for the king and part of that business is being a grandfather and when you're you know 75 it's mm. difficult enough when your children are on the other side of the world but if you're not really talking to their parents either then it's massively difficult because on a practical basis how do you rebuild a relationship with somebody who's so far apart you having been through what they've been through and for having been so public to then try and heal that over a, um, a zoom call i just not quite sure how you do that and i think the other thing that makes it incredibly difficult to heal this relationship is just every time it seems like it's getting better for example the phone call on the birthday then something else comes out of left field that sets it all back potentially worse than it was before because whilst people in the you know the, the the royal media circle such as yourself russell may have known that it was potentially going to be the king and kate that were mentioned that that were that were, were deemed to be the the people who made these um comments about baby archie outside of that i think people were truly flabbergasted and that they were big the way the way that that had been pitched during the oprah interview they are massive allegations to make about anybody um and obviously also something that has repercussions throughout society so we already know that you know there's so many um issues with um the royals around diversity and around sort of in the in the uh, their attitudes to sort of the colonial world and all of this to have come up again and these allegations around racism it, that that's a huge allegation to make against somebody um and i think i i just don't know that you could ever really heal something of that enormity because the, it, it's just such a a big big thing to have said um and certainly it would appear that william may never forgive his brother for what he said about his wife or not actually i directly said but allow to sit there well, the, the thing is, and I think that, that you know, a lot of people, if they're honest, would say, oh, who in my um, my role would say, yes, there have been lots of conversations or um, discussions about Charles being involved in those discussions with Harry, and that he was certainly the subject um, of these allegations when they made him to Oprah. Very, very different case of Kate being mentioned, and the fact that she was then named in the book is through their association with Omid Scobie, who we then learned through one of uh, Harry's various trials during the year that there had been some form of collaboration through AIDS or otherwise. And so the fact that he was the one responsible for these names getting out is a huge, huge issue for, for William. And I think William obviously will be the sticking point to Harry having any role within the family. I mean, you go back to... to um, to Harry's book and he said that Charles had said to both of them you don't boys don't make my last years a misery well that that may be Charles's 
standpoint even now yes. for the boys to try and patch up their differences but I mean if, if, if William has anything to do with it the fact that he has gone this far in recent weeks I mean I, I can't see any way back for that relationship at all and a lot of people would agree well why should he you know William's got another William's got to protect the interests of his family the royal family have already got their backs up against the wall um, in many quarters you know, notwithstanding they're doing a lot right but I do think some, in in some form, they are you know, trying to find a new place, a new place in a modern world, and that in turn is is them trying to reinvent themselves. So there's a lot going on, and I think that William will just want to draw a line under it and say, right, I'm never going there again. But because there was plenty of opportunity really for Harry at any point to have come out in the last month and said, we had nothing to do with this book, we've had no contact with Omis Gobi, we. Even if he could have stopped short of saying that those comments were actually made, he could have done that. He could have changed mm. it. And so there was an active decision not to do that. And I think just on a just on a personal level, you know, Kate still does the school run. She still goes out and sees her friends. And for allegations of being a racist, that's about one of the most serious things that somebody could, could say of someone. Um, and that must be, you know, and, and it may well be, that she did say those things, and it may well be—I don't know—that she's a racist. But, but that's now all being put out there when there was the opportunity for Harry to rein that in. But because it came out by Omid Scobie, who is rightly or wrongly now regarded as a mouthpiece of the Sussexes, it just took the whole split to a whole new level. What do you think 2024 looks like for the Sussexes, Russell? Well, I mean, if it's got anything to go by their glossy video, which had suspect timing which has no you don't necessarily agree with because they were producing their end of year report refer to our previous were... podcast episode for this please callers yeah i mean the fact that uh kate and was doing this baby bank video with the kids and then they had one 24 hours later it's it's if it, using their speak it will be about impact won't it i'm suppose there's it's double-edged for them they need to try and find out what on earth their charitable endeavors look like lots of headlines last week about their donations falling off a cliff if we're being fair that normally happens when charities are starting up in the first couple of years we haven't seen an awful lot of what what the what the new role means i mean what's the netflix um deal going to look like are they going to do new podcasts is megan going to come back and do a new lifestyle magazine i definitely think megan's got a book or two or 22 if she's fergie in her um and they've got they've got to still earn a lot of money, haven't they? I mean, it's if they've got huge huge bills to take care of, people are sick of them trashing the royal family. So they need to try and make the role um, as long lasting as they can. And they they've probably struggled this year. And if they're not really in touch with the royal family, they'll run out of new material for trashing them with. Yeah, they've exactly. basically got it all out yeah. there already. And, and people will, as as Russell said, people have already lost interest in them and it becomes harder and harder for them to say anything that's going to have any interest at all and then beyond that so yes you can continue to do philanthropic work and interesting projects but if you haven't got relevance who cares if you're doing philanthropic work and and going on lots of visits lots of people go on lots of visits but they don't get any media around them because people don't know who they are but i think that's possibly the challenge or the identity challenge for those two because there are lots of people who do philanthropic work and just want the work to be done and the difference to be made and for the funders to know that the work is being done and it's having an impact and they will continue funding it so that they continue to make that impact but Meghan and Harry have been used to having a public profile status for Meghan you know she worked hard to build that career get famous that was part of her you know her identity and career path Harry was born into being famous and it's something that he's been has clearly wrestled with and struggled with over the years and maybe he would be happier just doing the chickens and making sure the philanthropic work got got done I don't know it feels like they almost need to decide whether it matters or not if they're mm. famous and but whether the people who are funding them part of the thing they're buying into is that status and identity and the you know instant PR that comes with stuff and and pick up of being you know the Duke and Duchess of Sussex embarking on their new life and and you get a, a I don't know what you call it a quick uplift based on that yeah and I mean they don't have to do philanthropic work they don't have to do any of this stuff they could if they chose just live a far quieter pared down life less expense 
and just do whatever they choose. So, and, and maybe they will reach that point. I don't know. I mean, Russell, do you think they, they just still want the attention? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. They definitely, definitely love the the attention. Maybe not the drama of it all, because I, I imagine it's quite consuming. Um, I think they want to be adored by the public. They they see their their role as lifting the lid on this institution. Well, sorry, certainly Harry did, and she thought she was going to be a global megastar by judging, and that is from judging through conversations I'd had with countless staff of hers at the palace. So. Um, I think they feel, you know, they back themselves into a corner by saying service is universal, we don't need the royal family in order to, 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 to live this sort of altruistic life. And then they've gone off and made, you know, money beyond anyone's wildest dreams. So it, it, it's it's a difficult uh, balancing act for them. And I think they, they will see their role possibly getting even harder next year because they've they've got a lot of financial pressure on them as well. And ultimately, they've made that big decision to leave in an absolute, you know, fanfare, whether it's you know departing in a blaze of glory or leaving an absolute wasteland of wreckage behind you, depending on which side of um, of the fence you want to sit on, and there must be a lot of sort of pride of we have to make this oh, a yeah. success. We have to make this to a success because we've left that family who we could not deal with, and we need to sh- we need to show that we can do it on our own on our terms and they need to they need to think that we're really happy and successful and i think that's very stressful in any relationship when um if there's been some kind of family trauma um and somebody leaves and and goes into another relationship or leaves their family behind because for that to not work sort of undermines everything you did at the time everything you said at the time and and so that put incredible additional pressure on that relationship because it's got it has to work otherwise you've undermined everything about yourself as well as everything else and I think that's very very difficult if you've got that both on a um, a personal level but also on a professional level as well they've got to show that they're going to succeed and I don't think anybody would want to put themselves under that much pressure well good luck to them in 2024 we look forward to seeing what they do next and we will no doubt be talking about it here How will you remember 2023 from a royal perspective, Alison? So I was very fortunate and I was I was inside uh, the Abbey for the coronation, which was incredible. Um, and I think the moment where they processed out of the um, Abbey was just extraordinary. And the colour and the grandeur of it all and... Um, Somebody said to me afterwards, oh, what was the most striking thing? And I said, oh, the crowns were so sparkly. And I was like a three-year-old idiot. But the crowns were really sparkly. Everything was sparkly than you'd imagine. The gold shone more brightly than you'd imagine. The, the, every, the outfits of everyone were, were more vivid than you could have imagined. It was just an extraordinary spectacle. And the weather wasn't really very good. It was a bit grey and dreary. But out of that sort of greyness just shone this amazing sort of riot of colour and noise and amazing music and and it, and it and it was like a very richly diverse congregation and it was a it was an amazing spectacle spectacle perhaps rather than occasion but spectacle uh, certainly uh, one we will all remember I think um, not just for the stress that I had about making my quiche which is <laughs> well worth it I'm thing. sure uh, Russell how will you remember 2023 I mean obviously, obviously the coronation um, I can't imagine more grandeur moments I mean, the, 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 fun- the funeral and it sounds obvious but the funeral and, and coronation shouldn't have been more different and I and I, I perhaps um naively thought that they would be quite similar that you would get that sense of occasion but there was there was a a lot more riding on the funeral i suppose and this this felt i suppose that a bit of a new beginning it wasn't as um as emotional obviously as the funeral that was i was left with a sense of christ where where does this go from here and i think that they've kind of navigated it the, the charles and the, and the rest of the royal family my my not necessarily a moment but i suppose the, the spare we can't get away from the book when harry's book came out and that was sort of 
made up of several moments and in, in, in his TV interviews, um, then trying to clarify the fact that they hadn't called the rest of the royal family racists or indeed certain members of them. Um, Tom Bradby's interview, which has just won a British Journalism Award for for his interview with Harry. Um, and then you know where where does it leave you moving forward? I think there's 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 more to look forward to, but I think I've said that before. And then it all ends up you know not not looking too too good for them. But um, it'd be it'd be interesting to see how things develop next year. Since you mentioned books again, last time we were speaking two episodes ago in the space time continuum, I did ask you, Russell, for your recommendation for your royal book of the year that you would suggest to our listeners that they should check out. You said you had well, one. Been, Can you remember? I do. I've, you know, got a couple, but there's, um, there's a few of my colleagues have written books this year. Um, but I will go for Valentine Lowe's book, Courtiers, The Hidden Power Behind the Crown. I think of all the royal books I've ever read, that this gives you uh, an absolutely unique insight into what happens behind palace walls, why decisions are taken, who are the people sort of pulling the strings, um, and the mechanism of uh and you get that with royal with political books a lot of the time the mechanism of government and i think that this tells you an awful lot about how uh, a thousand year old institution operates on not only um, a, a historical level but but trying to keep up with sort of the scandals that come um across its door especially like the the oprah winfrey um interviews and the and the, and the bullying um aspects of when um, Valentine revealed that Meghan Markle would have been accused of bullying in the workplace. So if you have not read it, and I'm sure a lot of people who listen to the podcast have, but you haven't read it, that's still the one to get um, for the new year. Ringing endorsement, Russell. Very nice. We'll have to see if we can get see if we can get him on. Um, one to look forward to maybe in 2024. Um, you also get to travel with the Royals a lot and go out to their various different visits and things. Are there any standout moments from any of those? Yeah, remember? definitely. I mean, you know, it, it didn't. It got off to a bit of a sticky start for Charles because leading up to the coronation, he was, he was trying to get out to France and Germany. That was on the behest of the government. Um, again, talking about Brexit, visiting our nearest neighbours um, from an economical uh, point of view. But then France got um, uh, rescheduled because of the protests that were ongoing in the country at the moment. So it was just left with Germany. And I thought, God, I was at the Brandenburg Gate and there was literally one man and his dog there to welcome him. And I thought, this is going to be a disaster. And then as it went on and it picked up a little bit of pace, and normally when you get the younger members of the family, whenever I travel with Harry and Meghan or William and Kate, there's sort of this um, very enthusiastic element of their, their, their visit and the people who have come out to see them. And it, and it was severely lacking with Charles. But then when he made a speech in German at the Reichstag, I mean, it was totally captivating. And, it, and even the coverage of the country flipped on its head. And by the time he got to Hamburg, he went out to, on the, on the sort of balcony of the town hall and it was like one of the Beatles had arrived. And so I think that that kicked off his, his year for him and gave him a sort of sense of not only belonging a sense of purpose to then go go forward and, and try and make a success of the, the next year and then obviously France did follow we had the bromance between him and Macron which was well documented and, and really went well and then getting up to to um to Kenya as well in recent weeks so I think you know I like I like going abroad with the Royals because it gives you a different element of what that of how they are perceived abroad and I think that's always important and we've enjoyed hearing from you and your photographer companion on these travels Ian Vogler on various different episodes of the show so uh, Merry Christmas and Happy New Year to you as well Ian we look forward to speaking to you in the new year as the Royals surely head off on more travels so today we're recording it's actually the sixth anniversary of Pod Save the King well Pod Save the Queen it was originally yes. obviously RIP wow. but we've been doing this for six years um, so I started out with Victoria Murphy and Dan Jackson in a oh. funny little cupboard downstairs now it's in a different funny little cupboard now yeah. in a di different funny little cupboard <laughs> but um we're uh, delighted to have russell as my regular companion here but uh so we'll call these the birthday end of year awards who is your royal of the year it's a tough one. Oh, i didn't as you can tell i didn't want Ooh. i wanted the gut reaction what, about... what does heart say and what does head say i think well, you're struggling between two here uh, yeah so i quite like the um 
well, I very much like the picture of Princess Charlotte the other day. I thought that was interesting mm. um, in that all of a sudden, like in the blink of an eye, she'd gone from being a little girl into the beginning of a young woman, hasn't she? And I thought, oh, that's very interesting as to what's going to come up next. So, um, but also, of course, with also George as well. So he'll be going to secondary school, is it, in September? It's the exams and stuff at the moment, isn't it? Yeah. So good luck, George, if you're listening. Exactly. Do some revision instead. Yeah, so we'll move into those kind of... Uh, teenage years so that'll be kind of interesting to see how that all plays out as well i'm sure interesting is a word that william and kate will also be yes. thinking of as they think about that who's your royal of the year russell well alison's literally stolen the words out of my mouth because oh. i couldn't believe when you saw that picture and not only was you she was sort of blossoming into a um a young woman she's still quite young isn't she but the, the change is evident and ongoing um but she was front she was in the center of the picture and yes. you look at her behavior throughout the uh, the late queen's funeral you know to sort of m making sure that george was looking in the right direction and louis wasn't causing a, a riot on one of the carriages and again and um, and again did it through the coronation i think she would she probably be up there as well because she will no doubt form a central element of the family moving forwards and whether it's you know advising her brother as princess anne has done for charles in that sort of that trusted lieutenant role um, I definitely think you can you can almost see it happening. Sort of a glimpse into the future. So yeah, I suppose if we can't have her, I'll choose Prince Louis. No, oh. I'm going to go Camilla. It's good to see him. Yeah, I mean that's a good shout. I'm going to go Camilla because I think I mean again we we talked about this quite recently, but she would never have imagined mm. that she would get to this place. And also, I mean, it's such a tiny moment, but that's just sort of like moving her fringe out from underneath yes, the crown wow. on coronation day of like you know this, this big grand spectacle but actually these are real people dealing with uh yeah, and, and, and two people who are now so the king's 75 camilla is 70 she's she's like Six, yeah. 76 just just a year old yeah. so they they are not young people now at the point where most people of that age are really trying to think about how they can make life a bit easier for themselves and to wind down slightly the enormity of this job um and i think we we are going to, have to be mindful of their health in the in the years I, I don't i don't think either of them look in fantastic health either not really so i, I think there is going to have to be sort of some concern over how much they do take on i think camilla's just really defined her role she kind of has a sense of how she wants to do it and it's she's sort of unfussy in a lot of yes. ways just getting on and trying to support charles and has, has got her issues that she wants to get involved with i guess it'll be interesting to see how she gets on if they're doing a bit more traveling next year because i don't mm. think she necessarily is a particular fan of that but um a good start something i think is interesting and probably slightly predictable given some of the conversations that russell and i have had already this year is we've we haven't spoken hugely really about William and Kate and their work. We know they've got their big projects on, but they don't, I don't know, I guess going back to the Royal of the Year conversation, it's hard to look away really from the King and Queen, which I guess is probably normal in the coronation year and maybe is what the palace had been hoping for. Or maybe it's just the sort of familiarity, William and Kate are doing the things that William and Kate have done for quite a long time, but in a different way or on a grander scale. I don't know. How do, you, how do you feel about what William and Kate are doing, Alison? We're not going to let Russell talk about it anymore because he's he's had his say on this many times. I, I do think they are going to struggle around that point about some of it just feeling a little bit too vague for people to to truly comprehend what what what's the what's the output that they want to get from it. I guess that's the thing, isn't it? What what's going to be different? Um, I think it's I think Kate having the commitment to early years is great and it, obviously it's a huge issue in society and we all know that you know if you can um really have those interventions when children are very young it can have lifelong um benefits but i suppose what people are left with wondering is what is what can she do and it's been you know those, those beautiful pictures last week of her at the baby bank with the children and that's great um but what in this field is she able to affect? How is she able to affect change that that might not otherwise be happening? And now there might be, Russell, you might tell me there's lots of things that she's doing that are going to affect change. But I think the general public are sort of slightly struggling to see what they are. Well, you need government assistance. If you are going to change children's lives for the better in this country, you need money. 
And if that isn't going to, and if you're talking about private investment, you're not just talking. Yeah, William has used private investment to deliver prizes for um, scientific entrepreneurs, and that's fifty million quid. But this is going to cost millions, if not billions. And so I, I think, especially with the transitional element of governments in this country, it's it's going to be very, very difficult um, to to make changes other than producing reports, which might get picked up, you know, in a few. Um, uh, educational publications and, and making noise in terms of her foundation but i think i think it's a very very difficult cause to to, to really make a difference with but it, it, that doesn't mean that she won't won't make some strides she might build centers around the country that then become best practice to to, to be developed um in, in certain educational settings but it's a it's a difficult one to to take on and on a personal level um, so she did the speech, didn't she, earlier in the year on this topic, and that was sort of her big moment um, to speak. But I think that remains very, very rare. You very rarely see her speaking in public, and it feels that some of the kind of some of the content comments that have come from the Sussex's camp has sort of been saying, "Oh, Kate's just a show pony. She's just there to look nice in photographs. Um, she doesn't have a voice." And we haven't really seen much of a, or heard much of a voice from Kate. We still haven't. It's, um, and that feels, that does feel somewhat dated now that, that she is just there. And I know that there's been lots of stories written about how she's got a new power wardrobe, which I think effectively means she's wearing trousers now instead of just a skirt. But <laughs> you've got to think there's got to be a little bit more to her emancipation in some way than wearing trousers. So is that your New Year's resolution for Kate? Find find your voice and talk more? Yeah, I think so, because I think, I think out of all of them, she's a very sensible, pragmatic, um, resilient, impressive woman. And I think we, I think it would benefit all of them for us to see more of that. Russell, it's difficult because I, I just, you know, she's not going to be making TED talks anytime soon. I think, and I, I find that frustrating because I think if you had access to the best speechwriters, to the best elocution coaches, as we know she's had in the past, but the people who will teach you about public speaking, about how to be. Uh, how to captivate a room she doesn't do that unfortunately i mean the 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 palace will say that this is a landmark day for a landmark moment and unfortunately it doesn't cut through because you can make all the glossy videos you want but if she isn't delivering it and you know and holding that room or holding your attention on a youtube video and able to to explain it to you i think it it dies down and some people will say that that's rather unfair but if you've been doing this role for 12 years and you still can't really hold the room um then you're going to struggle and i and i and i think that is quite unfortunate because she is well read you know she you took I've, I've seen her engagements i see when she's talking to the to the um to the professionals and she's asking a real pertinent question she actually knows the detail inside out but then she is the figurehead as well, and you can you can look great, but if the if the if the substance isn't behind it, then it's um it's going to struggle to cut through. But maybe she'll find that this this concept of early years development and this this project is her calling, and she becomes more and more passionate about it, and she's she slowly gets into it. Because I suppose if it's a lifetime's work, she's still very very young, and in and this this project is in its infancy. So it's a wrap for the first full year of the Carolian era. What do you want to see on the royal to-do list for 2024? I mean, I know Russell wants lots of trips so that he yes. can come and say, Alison, please send me away on a nice aeroplane with my passport. So we won't go into that too much, Russell. But um, Alison, what would you like to see on the to-do list for next year for the royals? What do they need to do to remain relevant and popular and all those things that royal families need to do to keep, keep going? Well, I do think we'd need to see uh, more of Kate's personality, as I just said, because I think that's really important. I think we, I think there are real concerns around, regardless of what you think of uh, the Sussexes, there are question marks about, I don't, is it racism? Is it unconscious bias? Is it, I don't, I don't know what it is, but we need, we need to have greater illustration of the royal family's commitment to a truly diverse country and a diverse uh, establishment 
Um, and I also think, completely different to that, I also think we could do a little bit more fun. It just feels the whole thing has become a little bit, everyone sort of, there's like an inward groan where we think, oh, oh, it's another Harry story or it's another the king talking about this story or another. And I just think we're going through such a difficult time in this country, but we're coming out of COVID. Hopefully we might be coming towards the end of a cost of living crisis. Hopefully, you know, the, there may be a change of government next year. There's all sorts of little positives there potentially. And I think we need to feel, and because we lost a lot of that positivity from the coronation because of subsequent events, I think it would be great to sort of feel a little bit of lightness of touch and a bit more hope and fun in the family. Russell, I mean, that was a fairly brutal assessment of your of how your stories come <laughs> over from your editor. <laughs> it's like a groan. I mean, what, I, what do you think next year holds for them? Well, you got me thinking when Alison was just speaking there about like one of the, the 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 final episodes of The Crown is when Tony Blair's new Labour government comes comes into power, and the Queen um, says that we've got to do a review of how the royal family are doing, trying to sort of captivate the the country like uh, like like Tony had done at the time. And maybe they could do with a bit of that. And I think that they've kind of got bogged down. And this is a lot of them, not their own doing. You've had various scandals and fighting and infighting, which has is, which is plagued the, 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 the rhetoric of the, of the royals and how they're covered over the last few years. But a bit more fun, taking things less seriously. What, should, what, what is the purpose of the royal family for the next, I suppose, 10, 20, 30 years, taking it... On, onwards to, to to King William, um, perhaps that they they just need yeah they need a bit more PR in that sense than than getting bogged down with the the, the big issues. So we're going to go for 2023 as foundational, 2024 as defining, I think. Yes. And uh, Russell, I know you will be here to chat about it with me on a very regular basis, and I look forward to that very much. Alison, I hope we'll get you back periodically to get the the big picture as well and a different a different perspective on things thanks for joining us today listeners a very happy new year to you um i should also say a happy new year to our new producer dan as well as old producer dan and um hopefully dan will have managed to clean up a couple of little sound burps that came through this if they did come through um i'm very sorry and my new year's resolution is to make sure i get rid of them in the new year so listeners thanks as ever for joining us i hope you've had a fantastic 2023 and an even better 2024 to come and until next year save the king. 